This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. My question to Knicks fans is this. What's the mood going into the season? Now is where it gets interesting. I wonder how long simply making the playoffs and possibly winning a round will suffice. Because when you come into a year with no expectations, every accomplishment feels that much greater. But the more you advance the cause, the further you get into this, now the expectations start to mount. So my question is, what has to happen this year for you to deem it a success? Is it just as easy as, you know, making the playoffs? Or do you have to go on a little bit of a run? This is the Ty Butler Show. 98.7 ESPN. We stumbled upon something pretty cool. Just read you uh, a screenshot where Bobby Marks right now is predicting the NBA Finals to be the Suns and the Knicks. And I, I am trying to imagine a world and, and what it looks like here in New York City if the Knicks win a championship and they beat Kevin Durant to do it. Given the relationship the fans have with that player because he spurned them in 2019 and then he torched them when he was a net. But then they celebrated his failures when he was in Brooklyn and then was traded over to the Suns. So now for that to all culminate in the finals where you see Katie against the Knicks, oh, that would just be special, man. That would be special. And then I, I, I reiterated a question that was asked to me a couple of days ago. Which team does New York need to win a championship the most? Which team is it? Let's go to Tom in East Chester. What's up, Tom? Hey, what's up, Ty? Um, I think it's the Knicks, and I think it's close. I'm a Knicks fan and a Jets fan, so I can feel the pain from both. Um, and I just think that when the Knicks are good, it's just an energy and a feeling. You can't quantify it. You can't give it a statistic. It's just, it's a different feeling. I work in Manhattan. I remember, you know, a couple months ago, the Knicks are winning playoff games. You're high-fiving strangers on the street. It's, it's just different. It's, it's just a different feeling. And, you know, I, I remember when they, after they won the series against Cleveland, um, I've been with my wife. Uh, we met like six, six and a half years ago, and after they beat Cleveland, she said, you know, I never knew, like, you loved the Knicks this much. I was like, they haven't <laughs> been good since we've been together. They haven't been this good since we've been together. Yeah, man, it's it was like been a while. Four years before I met you, they've been at that, they've been at that level. Um, I think the Jets would be one heck of a party, but I think when the Knicks are really rolling, it captivates the city the way that no other team can. I, I really do. I hear that, Tom. I, I really do hear that. I appreciate the call. There is a certain vibrancy here, ha- having lived in New York my entire life, there is a certain energy, like a decibel level this city gets to, that is unmatched when the Knicks, all they have to do is win a playoff game. I was at that game in 2021 when they beat, or I guess it was the 2020-2021 season, when they beat Atlanta in game two. Now they went on to lose the series in five. But being in the garden for game two of that series, uh, I'm sitting on, on on the bridge, on the Chase Bridge, where, where the media convenes, and it was shaking. Uh, and I'm someone scared of heights, so that, that wasn't my wave. But <laughs> leaving that building and going out and seeing 8th Avenue shut down because they won one playoff game, 
It was wild. It was wild. It 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 was it was like something I've never seen before. And with the Jets, because I, the other day when I posed the question of the four major sports uh, that we cover on this station, you know, NBA, MLB, NFL, NHL, which team is closest to winning a championship? We thought months ago it would be the Yankees or Mets, but that just kind of went up in fire. And now we're trending toward it being the Jets. And I've never seen, you know, my team that I root for in football coming to a year with the expectations this high. So I'm excited to see that if it all goes well, what happens? Like, I, like am I randomly high-fiving strangers in the street after the Tuesday after they beat the Bills on Monday Night Football? Does that happen? Do we get to, you know, week 18 they beat the Patriots in Foxborough, and the very next day, that Monday, after Bill Belichick gets fired because the Jets knocked the Pats out of playoff contention, am I just, you know, walking around, high-fiving just random people? Sports is so inclusive. That's the, that's the beauty of it. Sports uh, it just it leads you when you're at your, like, peak of happiness, watching your team win. It leads you to to become a social creature that you never thought you'd become, which is cool, which is cool. As far as the Jets, I'm starting to get a little nervous. I heard this comparison earlier. It it was the Mets who spent a lot of money, came into the year, high expectations, and then fell flat on their faces. And Mets fans, as disappointed as they were, were not really shocked or surprised just because they've come to accept or they've come to expect, I should say, things like that happening. It's just what happens to us. And it's the same with the Jets. Spent a lot of money, just went out and paid $8 million to a running back that was cut by the Vikings as a cap casualty. And we see what the running back market is, but you, you invested in that position, in that player, because you thought he could help you win a championship. You've gone all in on this season, and I, I just keep getting... Those fears, they start to surface. Like, are we gonna have? Are we gonna go from the Yankees and the Mets being the two biggest disappointments in baseball, having spent the most money in that sport, to the Jets doing the same thing that the Yankees and Mets did, and then we're back to complaining about the state of New York sports? That's all we had done for a couple years. Boston was just winning too much, and we were losers. We, we were failures. And now things start to feel like, you know, they're, they're trending in the right direction. But baseball flopped on us. We can't have that in football. We cannot have that in football, which brings me to uh, ESPN put out its ceiling and floors for all 32 NFL teams. And let's start with the Jets. Ceiling is 12 and 5. 12 wins for the Jets. Haven't had a double digit win season since 2015. 12 and 5. 12 and 5. You know how elated I would be? The Jets went 12 and 5. What's the last time the Jets won 12 games in a season? You got to go back to that 98 year when they lost in the conference finals. 
uh, conference championship game, I should say, to the Broncos. That's the last time they won 12 games. But double-digit wins hasn't happened in eight years. So the, so the ceiling is 12-5. and five, And that's assuming all of your questions about the offensive line and the head coach are answered in the affirmative. But the floor is 7-10. and 10, And that's just hard to stomach. You went 7-10 and 10 last year with no quarterback play. You add one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and you, you don't make any improvement. You stay the same. Can't go 7-10. and 10. Meanwhile, the Giants, who everyone keeps telling me, expected to take a step back, they have the Giants ceiling at 11-6, and six, but their floor at 6-11. and 11. The biggest question mark for the Giants is the health of tight end Darren Waller, who we know is a game changer. If he can stay on the field, that could be Daniel Jones' best weapon he's ever had. Just as, you know, part of his receiving core. Saquon, you expect him to be awesome. If 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 Darren Waller can stay healthy, that's I mean that's a game changer, obviously, for the Giants. But they have their ceiling at eleven and six and their floor at six and eleven. That sound about right to you, Harvey? Eleven and six as your ceiling, six and six and eleven as your floor. Sound about right? I'd probably go ten and seven as a ceiling, but if they go eleven and six, then to me they did way better in the division. And they probably beat teams around them for the wild card. Yeah, and that's the thing that I don't understand. Because, uh, like, part of why people are expecting this regression is just the schedule. But I keep bringing this up, and I want to hammer it home. You should be able to beat the Cowboys. We, we shouldn't just sign up for you going 0-4 against the Cowboys and Eagles. You got to strike somewhere, and that's where you strike. And you've got a lot of winnable games on your schedule. Arizona's tanking. They want to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. You've got Vegas. Who knows what their quarterback situation is and if Jimmy Garoppolo's going to be healthy in Week 9 for that game. You've got Green Bay. They're rebuilding with Jordan Love. You play in New Orleans. You know, Derek Carr is good. That division stinks. And then the Rams, they won't admit it and probably haven't faced the reality yet that they're they're also rebuilding. But then you play the Rams. They're a lot, they're so, it is a tough schedule because you go from playing, well, they play the AFC South last year to now playing the AFC East, arguably the best division in football. So, yes, that, that, that's, that's, that's a high... That's a tall order. And then you look at the way it starts at home against Dallas before you go to Arizona. Then you're at San Francisco, home for Seattle, at Miami, at Buffalo. That four-game stretch from week three through week six where it's three road games, one of them is against a team that people are predicting could win the NFC. (laughs) One of them is against a team that people are predicting could win the AFC. Then you've got Miami, and you know, assuming two is healthy, uh, they could win the AFC East. And then Seattle, who people are high on now that you know they had a great draft last year, and you know Geno Smith had a resurgence uh, of of a season. He's established established himself as a pretty good quarterback. 
and you're banking on that not being a fluke, but that's tough. At San Francisco, home for Seattle, at Miami, at Buffalo, that's a brutal part of the schedule, which is why it's important. Like, if you lose that game to Dallas, you're going to beat Arizona. You'll be 1-1. One one. Over the next four games, somehow, somehow you got to find a way to get two wins in there. Somehow got to find a way to get two wins in there. And Washington, maybe I'm just sleeping on them because I understand like the defense is really good. Eric Bieniemy now, the offensive coordinator, Sam Howell. They've got weapons on offense. I just don't believe Sam Howell is good enough to take this team to where they can be competitive and competing for a playoff spot. That could simply be ignorance on my end, <laughs> looking at Sam Howell. But I think the Giants should be able to, you, after last year you went 1-0-1 oh, against them, should be able to get at least one game, if not two, on the Commanders. So we'll see what happens there. 800-919-3776. Here's 10 in the car. 10? Hi, Tim from the car. You said 10 or Tim? Tim, Tim, sorry. Oh, of course. Harvey's making mistakes on, on the call screen. No, no, it's probably my mistake, honestly. No, it's, it's Harvey. It, it's Harvey. No, 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 don't blame Harvey. Har- no, 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 don't blame Harvey. <laughs> What's up, Tim? What do you got? Uh, nothing. I'm a Cowboys fan and literally driving home, and I heard that what you said about the Giants being a possibly able to beat Dallas once. Um, I honestly don't see it happening at all. You, they can't beat Dallas at all? Like there's zero no. chance. Zero chance. Why I'm do not you... even being a cocky Cowboys fan. I'm a realistic Cowboys fan. I don't think Dallas. I don't think Dak taking Dallas to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm more worried about our offense this year than I am our defense. We brought back everyone from the defense, and you add a Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, and you add a Stephon Gilmore. Your defense is going to be tremendous, and. Um, you should expect that now that Mike McCarthy is taking over play calling, we'll see a change in your offense. Don't know if it'll be a good change or a bad change, but uh, they've said they want to run the football a lot more. And Tony Pollard's their primary back and has been their best back with no Zeke there now. So we'll see what happens there. If Dak can cut down on the turnovers, if he's not leading Agreed. the league in interceptions and you know pick sixes Agreed. despite missing five games, you've got a high ceiling. A lot of people coming into the year are high in the Cowboys. I mean, we'll see. You do make good points, though. Dak is turning the ball a little bit too much, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited that we get to talk about football coming up because it's very soon, so it is exciting. Yeah, man, that game's going to be fun. Appreciate the call, Tim. I, I, I would just say this. Dallas is better than the Giants. They're better than the Giants, no question. Those division games are tough. The Giants haven't beaten them since 2016, since Dak's work a year. At some point... If you are positioning yourself to be one that can compete and can contend, you got to start winning some division games. You won one game in your division last year. That's embarrassing. 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We will continue to take your calls, talk some, some Yankees and Mets coming up as well. Who had the bigger disaster this season? Was it the Yankees or was it the Mets? We'll talk about that coming up right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So who had the more disastrous season? 
Was it the Yankees or the Mets? We start with the Yankees. They're dreadful. And mercifully, off tonight, didn't have to watch them lose another game after they got just their rare ends handed to them in Atlanta. Both the Yankees and the Mets did. Braves won six of seven games against the New York te- uh, the New York teams in total, outscoring them fifty eight to thirteen. That is pure dominance. But on the Yankees, they begin a three game series against the Red Sox coming up at the stadium. Looking forward to seeing what the reaction will be to this team that started the year thinking they could win a championship. All they had to do was run right back the same team they had a year ago that got just, I mean, got embarrassed by the Astros. But now they're sitting here under 500 in danger of finishing uh, finishing a season under 500 for the first time in 31 years. And you look at how they are completely fumbling the bag. They fumbled the baby bomber era where the window was wide open starting in 2017. Those baby bombers had arrived earlier than everyone expected. Yankees, instead of capitalizing on that, didn't do much of anything. And all you have left to show for it is Aaron Judge, who continues to be awesome. But the combination of his greatness and the excellence that is Garrett Cole is now being wasted. So after you fumbled the baby bombers, you're now urinating all over the primes of both Judge and Cole. And these are two big-time contracts that won't age well, but you were willing to embrace it since you thought you'd at least have a title to show for it, at least one. You remember the, you know, we're not in the business of worrying about one championship. It's about championships. We're building this thing for the long run, not mortgaging our future, but sustained success, sustained excellence as they envision a team that could resemble that uh, of the early 90s or late 90s, I should say. But it just hasn't happened. And this is the, you know, the worst case scenario. It's not the Yankees missing the playoffs because it came down to the final weekend and things just didn't go their way. It's the middle of August and the season is over. Party shot. That's how bad it is. The party is shot. We're bringing on the furnace. That that this thing is over. And now the the the, the manager's gonna pay for it at the end of the season. This, I mean, you run out of words to use to describe this mess. Meanwhile, the Mets, after they had won 101 games last year won just one playoff game, they decided we're going to spend some more money. The Carlos Correa thing didn't work out because of the injury that was revealed when the Mets doctors looked at his looked at his body, looked at, you know, all the exams. So they pivoted. Justin Verlander was supposed to be the answer because now you have a two-headed monster with Scherzer and Verlander, and it just fell apart. Verlander starts the season hurt. Scherzer also got hurt, was ineffective. Once Verlander turned it on, it was all but too late for this team to make a run. So they punted at the deadline, acknowledging that they made a mistake, didn't work out. So we're going to revamp, retool, and try to get this thing going maybe next year, maybe in 2025. But we'll see what the timeline is, and it's dependent upon what happens with these prospects. So the, so the Yankees started the season thinking they had the best rotation in baseball, 
injuries did them in, ineffectiveness, and their veterans got older really quick. Mets, same thing. Injuries, guys falling short of expectations. No one played to the, to the level of, of their capabilities. What happened to Jeff McNeil? What happened to Brandon Nimmo? Frankie Lindor, you know, the, the, the numbers at the end are going to look better than the actual season, in my opinion. Peter Alonso wasn't as great as he was in, in the past and struggled defensively. You got some pop out of uh, your young sensation catcher, Francisco Alvarez, but the rotation was not as good as you thought it would be. In the bullpen, we'd be remiss in saying badly missed Edwin Diaz, forced everyone to move up, and now David Robertson was great for them. But since the, ro- since the, the starters weren't giving them any length, it taxed their bullpen. And that caused them to suffer a setback. So which was the bigger disaster? The Yankees or the Mets? Who fumbled the bag more this season? I'll tell you this. It is going to be chaos in the offseason for both teams. Mets looking for a president. Could be looking for a manager and a GM. Yankees, at least the way this thing is going, will be looking for a manager, and we'll see like if it gets to a level of bad where it necessitates how having to find a new general manager. Which is crazy. A year that started with such promise, the highest payrolls in baseball, could end... Where you get to an offseason, both teams are looking for general managers and both teams are looking for managers. Talk about fumbling the bag. Yikes. 800-919-3776. We'll get to your phone calls when we return right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Next week, I'm excited. I get to fill in on DPH or in Rothenburg Thursday and Friday. With my homie Dan Grasso. We will be talking a lot of football, I imagine. Jets. Week four, it'll be their, their fourth preseason game. Giants, their third. Getting closer and closer to opening day. Giants, Cowboys, right off the bat. Jets, Bills. Two big games for both teams that's going to go a long way in determining you know, the direction of this season. I, I still think that if you're a Giants fan, you should have high expectations. I'm not saying you should think that they're going to once again get to the playoffs and win a playoff game, but you should expect them to make the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, once once we get closer to the season, I think that's when it, it'll really start to settle in for fans. You don't have to see it. You don't have to see how it happens. No. You paid your quarterback $40 million. You should expect this team to make the playoffs. 800-919-3776. Before we get back to the phone calls, earlier, uh, or or yesterday, I should say, a moment on the station went viral. If you were listening to the K-Show, Michael and Peter going at it, talking about the Yankees. There was a disagreement that ensued. As far as how this team, this organization should be analyzed. And it led to a viral moment that was all over social media. Ringing off on Twitter and Instagram. Saw a couple of columns on it in the New York Post. It was, it was, it was entertaining. So let's hear it. 
You know, I don't even care if I'm called Yankee boy. The, their, their collapse in the middle of last year happened when DJ LeMay, who got hurt, where he just couldn't hit anymore. That was a big, big factor. And then in the postseason, no LeMay, no Benintendi, and they tried to rush back Carpenter, who also got hurt. He was carrying the team. Now, you, that, they shouldn't be applauded for that because right. that was not their plan right. for, for Matt Carpenter to be the second best player after Judge. But Matt Carpenter was. Then he hurt his foot, and boom, he's out for two and a half months. And then they try to rush him back without any kind of rehab. So I think they were better than a 500 team. And I think that's why they fooled themselves into thinking we don't have to make major changes. Let's go sign Rodon. Uh, DJ LeMayo is going to be better. We like Rizzo. He's not going to. They, they couldn't foresee he's going to have a concussion. I think they thought they were going to be a lot better. But now, I, I, I think they see the flaw in that. I, I, just being honest, this does sound sort of like excuse-making, though. Well, oh, I don't I don't give a crap what it sounds like. I'm telling you the reasons why it's happening. If you people want to say they're making excuses, I don't care anymore. I'm telling you the truth here. If you think it's making excuses, good, go crap in a lake. I don't care. What's the point of the truth? They got it wrong. They always get it wrong. No, you, that, that's, you can't, that's, that's ridiculous. They always get it wrong. That, well, I, I, that is over the last few years they've gotten it wrong. Really, they repeatedly. went to the ALCS last year. And they got really got it so it. wrong. They, they won the American League East. They won they the American League East, the toughest Michael, division in baseball. They won 99 games. Astros. They always get it wrong. Wait, so you want fans to be happy that they got embarrassed by their arch rival? I'm not telling That's fans what to do. You can feel but, whichever but, way but, you want. I'm just telling the, you, you can't say they got it wrong when they won the Final Four team standing. Wait, so I, but I can't say they got it wrong if the best thing they could achieve in the last three years was getting swept by their arch rival. Well, That's getting it wrong. That's your definition of wrong. Now, yeah, the Mets everyone. got it wrong this well, year, but, and but, the Yankees got it wrong this year. The Mets punted. The Mets all out straight up said, we right. got it wrong. We're punting. The Yankees are... <laughs> Using to do so when all, they should. All Peter's doing, Michael, is just backing up the words that they said. What did Judge call last year? He called it a failure that they lost I, to the Astros. I get it. You know, I get so it. But you can't say they, they always get it wrong. Like they're a, a, a bumbling organization that doesn't can't get out of its own way and doesn't make the postseason. That's stupid. You sound like a fan. Spicy. Spicy moment on the case. I thought it was great for the show. Entertaining. Went viral. Good, Good point. Go crap on okay. a lake. I don't care. <laughs> go crap on a lake. That, 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 you know, good for the station. Got a nice little promo. Both passionate. Nothing wrong with, with, with disagreeing with, with, with your co-hosts. That was fun. That was, that was great to listen to. Michael's in a tough spot. And people got to try their best to understand, you know, him being the voice of the Yankees, the television announcer, it is tough to come in here and just crush the team every day. And then you got to go on television and do their game for three hours. And people just look at, oh, you know, how and, and Cashman, like those, you know, those, those, are, he's carrying water for them. They sign his checks. Michael it has been very critical of the Yankees. Now, I'm sure it has to go to an extent because he's, again, he's, he's the, the voice of the team. But it would be very awkward to just be crushing, you know, Judge, Rizzo, Stan, LeMay, like crushing all these guys. And then you walking into the clubhouse having to interview them. So it's a tough spot to be in. And I, I think it's underrated. Uh, especially when you look at, I wonder how many people in the country have to do, they, they call games for a professional team and then have to go on radio and, and, and cover that team and, and talk about them, especially when it's going this poorly. But I think he's he's been critical of them. I will say I agree with Peter, though, just because he's right. As far as like the, the last three years, the best you've accomplished 
is getting past Cleveland only to be swept by the Astros. And we can tout getting to the American League Championship Series. But when you really look at it, you went 3-6 and six in the playoffs last year. And after Game 1 of that Houston series, no one felt you had a chance. So it's not like they came close to winning. They got thoroughly embarrassed and outclassed. And the issue is that this organization, and I keep on saying it, they walk around with arrogance. They walk around like they're the 90s Yankees. It's been a long time since you've been that team. It's like we don't even recognize who you are anymore. And it's not just the losing, but it's all of the the fumbling that happened this year with Rizzo and with Herman. Like so much went wrong. And then the injuries that no one was shocked by. You acquired a, 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 a Montas who was hurt. Then he gets hurt when, when he's on this team. You acquired Bader when he was hurt. Then he started the season hurt. Stanton's hurt every year. You allowed Rizzo to go 10 weeks playing with post-concussion syndrome symptoms. I mean, the Herman, where he he was scratched from the start, but then came into the game. Then the report that he was in the clubhouse running roughshod because he had been drinking. And look, I, I hope he takes care of his personal issues because that's very serious. I hope he's able to get himself together. But just overall, it's just a bad look for the organization. So there were so many blunders this year. And that's not even to, to, to talk about what's happening on the field, how many times they've been thrown out on the bases. Like, we've gotten to a point where this team used to be about, all right, winning championships to we got to celebrate the fact that they, they won their division and that they won 99 games. It's been a long time since, it, since it, they've been in a World Series. And I think the most frustrating part is not having confidence that management is going to look at this season in its totality and not just decide it's a one-off, but look at it and say this is an extension of what has been an issue for a long time now. And you actually should go back to that decision to fire Girardi at the end of, uh, of the 2017 season. Because we talk about injuries as if the Yankees are the only team that experiences injuries. We talk about crapshoot even though the best teams in baseball, you look at since the last time the Yankees were in the World Series in 2009, the best teams in baseball typically get to the World Series. And yes, you have your improbable runs. But the best teams are usually getting there. That decision to fire Girardi... Doesn't look great. And I know he didn't go on to to have a success in Philadelphia. But that doesn't mean he was rightfully fired when he was here. He dealt with the assortment of injuries. He dealt with retirements. And there were many years you look back and said, well, well, like this guy got the most out of his group. They exceeded expectations. Have we ever said that about Aaron Boone's Yankees? That they exceeded expectations? We surely said that about Girardi in his final season before he was fired. Now, what I won't allow is for Yankee fans to have revisionist history. Because if you you do remember, you were criticizing Girardi. Binder Joe, Notebook Joe, abiding too much by the analytics. You wanted wanted him gone. 
And then after game two of that Cleveland series in the division series in, in, uh, in 2017, when he failed to challenge and it cost the Yankees the game, everyone was running him out of town. Now, ultimately, the Yankees made up for it by coming back to win that series and then going up 3-2 in the championship series. I think a lot of the people he had lost, he won back just because no one expected them to get that far, and they managed to accomplish that. But, folks, we're trying to get him up out of here. They, they, they felt like his voice had grown stale. I just don't know how after getting to Game 7 of the championship series, when no one thought that was on the table, you let him go. And so far, that has not aged well. When you take an autopsy on this season, be honest. It's not just what happened this year, but these symptoms have surfaced before. And it was masked by what? Beating Cleveland in the division series in 2017 and then beating Cleveland in 2019 and then beating Minnesota well I'm sorry it was, it was Minnesota in 2019 and then Cleveland in 2022 so twice in the playoffs you've won series against Cleveland and then once against the Twins that's mass that has deodorized what has been an issue for this team that walks around with too much ignorance let's go to Lavelle and Yonkers what's up Lavelle what's going on Ty I'm chilling, you know, man. Listen, What's going uh, on? The, what you brought up that situation with um, Peter and Don, and I'm, I'm not here to talk bad about Michael, but I think the problem is I called him the, day, the night before, and I'm like, you, you, you scream at the fans. Oh my God! You scream at the fans too much. You know, whenever, whenever we say anything about the Yankees, he snaps at us, and he he goes with the Yankees fans. So for Peter to finally call him out on that, when he went on and on about Giannis Antetokounmpo and don't say it's not a failure. I mean, um, it, it was just epic. But, but, but to answer your question that you asked before, who had the worst season, I would have to say the Yankees because people want to talk about the Mets. Yeah, they failed, but they got the superior ownership right now because he, he was man enough to say, we made a mistake. We made a mistake. We thought we was going through it. Shut it down. I don't care. I'll pay. Get him out of there. I wish I had an owner that would do that because as Yankee fans, we look at what we have right now, how we get up from under these contracts. It's that's that's. I mean, in the '80s, this was a Mets town. It might be a Mets town again in, in ten years if we're not careful. Yeah, I, I listen. I wouldn't go that far, Lavelle. I appreciate the call. There is something to be said about Cohen realizing his team wasn't going anywhere. So we might as well, while we can, capitalize on these marquee stars potentially going elsewhere and being significant as far as them chasing pennants, we might as well try to capitalize on that now, rebuild our farm system. We still have a core of guys we can compete with Nimmo and with McNeil, and, you know, Diaz is coming back. You have Alonzo who's up for a contract, and then Lindor's still there. They still have a lot of decisions to make. And the Mets aren't, like, as much as we compliment them for hitting the reset button, they're not out of the woods. Look at the disparity between them and the Braves. That's a lot of ground to make up. Dwayne's in Virginia. What's up, Dwayne? Hey, Ty D. Butler. How you doing, my man? I'm chilling. I'm, I'm chilling, boss. What's going on? All right. So, all right. I, I love the Yankees. I, that's that, that was my first favorite sports team ever in my life. Still, my baseball. I'm I'm one of the oddballs. I like baseball more than I like any sport. You know. 
That's not odd. I'm not like I'm not like Don LaGreca. Don LaGreca, he's he's hockey guy. Big Michael's hockey guy. Yankee boy. And and yeah, the argument between uh Michael and Peter earlier, you know, yesterday. That was that was a good one. Like Fear you know, no. Peter stands his ground. He, he's good. He's good. And uh but yeah, so as far as the biggest disappointment for me, obviously I'm a Yankees fan, we didn't make any big moves, man. Like we didn't try to get anything. And well, Radon is the big not... move they made. That that's the one. It's the six year, hundred and sixty two million dollar contract. Uh, this past off yeah. season, it, it it didn't work out in year one, and I'm very skeptical about it going forward. But that was the the one big move they made, and and so far it doesn't look like it's going well. They didn't try to improve the offense. To me, that's the biggest indictment. Absolutely, and like I mean, you had a couple callers. Like one, they're both kind of on, but you can't just ditch off a hundred million dollars for Stan or DJ Lemayhew's contract. You can't just dish that off. And that same thing would go for Cashman. You would owe him a lot of money, you know? Yeah. I appreciate the call, Dwayne. I appreciate the call. 800-919-3776. Three years left on Cashman's deal. But you're the Yankees. What are you worried about? It's about getting this organization back to where they used to be. And that was a, a legitimate contender, which we haven't seen in quite some time. 800-919-3776. We wrap the show when we return. Keep it locked right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Jose's big bad at me on Twitter because I called him out. He says, why is Ty D. Butler sounding like he's soft making excuses for real Mike K? I'm not making excuses for him. He doesn't need me to make excuses for him. He knows what he said, and, and that's what he believes. I, I also mentioned that I disagree with him. All I was saying is he's in a tough spot being the announcer for a team broadcasting all of their games, having to go into the clubhouse and interview these guys, and then having a talk show. I think to the best of his ability, he, he he's critical and he tells you exactly what it is that he's watching it while trying to insert, you know, educated analysis based on what he's hearing and what he sees and what he does around the team. That's all I'm saying. But I did say I disagree with his stance, and I agreed with Peter that the Yankees have become a disappointment, and they have been getting it wrong. Three and six in the playoffs last year is nothing to celebrate. I don't care that you won the division. You went 50 and and 51 over the final 101 games of last season. And if not for Judge having an historic year, you probably would have missed the playoffs. And then this year has just been an, an abject failure. It's been a disaster of epic proportions. One that should lead to both the general manager and the manager losing their jobs. I'm keeping it real. That's not me defending him or making excuses for him. I'm pointing out two things that are not mutually exclusive. I disagree with his stance, but he is, you know, in that in a unique position where a lot of people who want to come at him and, you know, go at him on Twitter and, and, and call him up and call him all types of names don't understand you know what he's trying to navigate, and if you were in that position, it'll be interesting to see how how you would how you would be able to de- deal with it and, and handle it. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. My eyes are like really itchy right now. I don't know what's going on. It's like a an, an allergy attack. Harvey, you might need to host the final three minutes of the show. I I can't see anything. I don't know what's going on. You took your glasses off. <laughs> Take the glasses are off. 
I can't stop rubbing my eyes. It's like I'm, I'm almost impressed that I'm still able to talk and, and sound coherent while not being able to see anything, and I'm just got both of my hands rubbing my eyes. You're lucky Jose in Brooklyn's on the study. You might just jab your eyes out. Nah. One, two. Jose, come on. I saw Jose at the beach bash. He's not about that oh, life. Oh, my. He's not about that life. That's not him. He's not doing that. I'm excited. Now, next week, filling in for Rick and Dave, I'll be hanging out with Dan Grasa in the morning, 6 to 10. That that's a that's a great spot. You get to you get to help shape the day of many people commuting. Cuz a lot of people wake up they're cranky, not in a good mood, so they need to listen to something that's going to help them get the positive vibes going. Here's you need the, to inject life into their day that starts so early. What's up? Here's the real question. How tired are you and Grasso? Oh, we we're tired. I I worked with him uh, what was it, three years doing Jets games pre and post? He was the one who got me a job at Sirius XM. I've hosted with him on the K show last year during the week of Christmas. So we're pretty tight. Why you ask that? I don't know. I just think there's going to be some some divisiveness next week. Why is that? Why would it be divisive? I just think that the personalities clash. That's it. Why? What's, what's, uh, what's the difference in our personalities? Stop speaking in riddles and say what's on your mind. I just think that there'll be a topic whether it's Yankees, Mets, or Jets. Well, we both love the Jets, so we're not going to clash on the Jets. And I we're highly doubt We're both high on the Jets. But Yankees, Mets, if I'm taking shots at the Mets, he takes shots at the Yankees all the time. So I should be able to dole that out, too. Why are Mets fans so sensitive? Mets fans don't really like me because I, you know, I have some fun on Twitter. It's sports, guys. We're supposed to have fun and entertain each other. No. I was, no? What are we supposed to do? Just to be serious all the damn time? Yes. What's the fun in that? That's that's corny. I I was really looking forward to all the chirping this year. Mets and Yankees both supposed to be good. Judge versus Alonzo, Subway Series. I was at the stadium for that for that horrific game. I believe her mom was on the mound when the Yankees uh, just was serving up t balls to the Mets. They hit home run after home run. So I had to sit there and and listen to Mets fans cheer on their team, their losing team. Uh, you know that night and it wasn't it wasn't great, but it was supposed to be it was supposed to be fun, and now they've just ruined it. So we got to look forward to Giants Cowboys Sunday night to start the season. Jets Bills Monday night. Football season can't get here any any soon enough. I'm looking forward to it. Back tomorrow night. Talk to y'all in 22 hours. Shout out to Harvey. Shout out to my guy Julian. We'll do it again. Talk to y'all tomorrow night right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.